It's so good to see you this morning. I see lots of visitors uh, who are here and probably traveling for Thanksgiving, and I'm excited to see you. And uh, I, people tell me that I always drop that word when I'm preaching, excited. Uh, excited is something that happens to me a lot when I'm uh, getting ready to preach. Uh, I am excited to be with you this morning. I want to reiterate uh, something Joseph talked about last week. Uh, as we're getting ready to close the year out and we're getting and projecting towards next year, looking at 2019, uh, Joseph talked last week about this Bible reading plan that we as a church family are going to be doing together. And as Mike talked about, in the back as you leave, uh, there is a sign-up sheet. There are actually two sign-up sheets. One sign-up sheet is for a free journal. And in that journal, there's going to be a calendar for each month telling you what you should be reading each day and also places for notes uh, that you can take as you read and as you listen to sermons. Uh, there's also a place to sign up for a ESV Reader's Bible. The Reader's Bible has no chapter divisions or verse verses, so it kind of reads more like a book, like you might be used to. So sign up for that in the back. Um, for those who are going to be following along with this reading plan, everyone is going to receive a sheet that has the reading plan on it, and it gives you an opportunity to check those off. So that's going to be happening at the end of this year. You'll be getting those in late December if you sign up uh, for that. Uh, I'm excited to preach to you this morning. Uh, and in preparation for this reading plan, one thing I've been doing is listening to the New Testament. Uh, there are lots of apps out there on your phone where you can actually listen to God's Word. And if you have trouble sitting down and reading, I challenge you to find an app or something where you can listen to God's Word for next year. Uh, my goal to kind of get in a habit of listening uh, was to listen to the New Testament in the month of November and in the month of December. So twice here before the end of the year to try to get me in a habit of doing that every morning as, or when I'm driving. And the lesson I'm going to present to you this morning has kind of come from that listening, from listening to God's Word in Romans chapter 12. Uh, that's where I am right now. And I want us to, to jump there. Uh, so get your Bibles out. I'm sorry I don't have a PowerPoint for you this morning, so we're going to be old-fashioned. I'm going to ask you to get out a print copy of God's Word. It doesn't have to be print. It could be on your cell phone or on your tablet. However you access God's Word, get it out and go to Romans chapter 12. We're going to be there and in one other place this morning as we study together. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And this was our scripture reading this morning. Let's look at just verses 1 and 2 to get us going. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Notice what he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. How do you present yourself to others? I want you to stop and think about that. How do you present yourself to others? Everybody has some kind of morning routine. I guarantee it. Every one of you has some kind of routine that you go through in the mornings, and I'm sure if I ask for a show of hands, and I'm not, but I'm sure 95% of you 
looked in a mirror this morning. I'm probably right. I might be, that might be a stretch. But most of us probably looked into a mirror this morning as part of our routine to think about, okay, how do I look from someone else's perspective? In fact, most of you have a way to check your appearance in your pocket right now or in your purse, in your cell phone. So most cell phones today, now maybe you're old school and you don't have this yet, and that's okay, you'll get there. Uh, But a lot of cell phones today have a little camera right on the front. And I know some of you like to get that camera out, and you turn your camera on, check your hair, make sure, mine looks pretty good right now. It's thinning out just a little bit on the front, turning a little gray. But I'm telling you, I know our teenagers do this. Because when we go on an event, before we get out of the van, I can look in my mirror. I see y'all doing it. Y'all think I'm not looking, but I see it. They get their phone out before we get out of the van, whether we're going skating or CYC or whatever it is. Even if we're at camp, I see them doing it. They get their phone out, turn that camera on, and make sure they look okay before they present themselves to others. Now, I'm sure a lot of you do that. Uh, We all want to know, what do... I look like from someone else's perspective. We worry a lot about the way we look to other people. Now, how do you present yourself to God? How do you present yourself to our Creator? Now, when you look in the mirror in the mornings, I know some people, as part of their routine, they have little sticky notes on their mirror that they like to read that kind of gets them ready for the day. But when you look in the mirror in the morning, you probably don't ask that question. How am I presenting myself to God today? How do you present yourself to God? I want you to think about the way it's written here. From the very first breath you take every morning, you are presenting yourself in some way in front of our God. Because He's there. He's present in your life. Now, how do you look when you present yourself to God? Does God see someone who's foreign? Maybe someone who's cold, who doesn't believe in Him? Someone who's distant from God and far away? Maybe that's what God sees when you present yourself to Him. Or does God see someone who's kind of in the middle and unsure whether or not they're fully committed to God or if they're just going to fall away from Him? Or when you present yourself to God, does God see a living sacrifice for Him? Think about that. What does God see when He looks at you, when you present yourself to Him? Because Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, present yourself as a living sacrifice. I want to look at that word sacrifice. One definition involves the slaughtering of an animal or person or surrendering possession. So you either no longer have possession or you no longer have life. So this is sacrifice. I want you to think about how this relates to the way he's using it in this verse. If you are presenting yourself as a sacrifice, you're either giving up your life or surrendering possession of your life. Another word, another definition for sacrifice involves giving up, giving something up of value for the sake of something else regarded as more important or worth more 
value to you or more worthy to you. So to present yourself as a sacrifice to God, you have to believe that the cause that you're giving yourself up for is more important or worth more than you are. Do you think about that before you present yourself to God each morning? Do you stop and say, God, I realize that your cause is more important than myself. Your cause is more important than me. Sacrifice is used in a lot of different contexts. I I think about in the game of baseball. Maybe some of you have played baseball. I think about a sacrifice bunt where a player uh, bunts the ball in such a way that the batter himself is out, but the runner that's on base is able to advance. He sacrifices himself for the betterment of his team. Or a sacrifice fly ball, where a player intentionally hits a fly ball to the outfield and tries to get it far enough out there where after uh, the outfielder catches the ball, the runner can tag up and advance to the next base. A sacrifice. Or I think about in chess, when maybe you place your piece in a certain spot where your opponent uh, is able to take your piece, but yet it puts you in a better position in the game moving forward. Sacrifice. In the life of Christ, Jesus gave himself up as a sacrifice. He put himself in the place that we deserve to be in because he saw himself more important. He saw us more important than himself. He saw the cause that he was giving himself up for more important than just making a name for himself. What's cool about this verse is it isn't just to present yourself as a sacrifice. It goes a little bit deeper. It says a living sacrifice. Alive. A sacrifice that is alive. And if you're like me, I'm a visual learner. In math class growing up, it helped me a lot to see my teacher get in front of the class and actually put the problems on the board and work them out for me. That helped me to be able to, uh, to understand how a problem's worked out. When I played tennis in high school, it was helpful to me when my coach was teaching me something that he would step out onto the court and actually show me how it's done. And, and he often said that, Alex, I'm going to show you how it's done. And he, he was good at it. So he would show me how it's done, and that helped me visualize a lot better how it's done. And lucky for us, Jesus gives us an example of what a living sacrifice looks like. And I want you to turn to the book of Luke, to the book of Luke chapter 4, uh, or chapter 5 in your Bibles. Luke chapter 4. Jesus showed us what a living sacrifice was. He didn't wait until his body was sacrificed on a cross to be called a sacrifice. He sacrificed himself from the very beginning of his life. When Jesus was only 12 years old in Luke 2, 49, 12 years old, when his parents were looking for him, he said, did you not know that I must be in my father's house? There was something going on a lot more important than him. There was something going on more than just making a name for himself. He had a bigger mission than that. Look at Luke chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. Luke chapter 5, 12 and 13, verse 12. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. 
And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Now, I want us to learn a little bit about leprosy. Maybe you don't fully know what leprosy was, but the leprosy we read about in the Bible was a very terrible disease. Now, often when we think about it, we think about the skin uh, part of this disease uh, because leprosy involved part uh, or harming of the skin. But leprosy wasn't just a skin disease. Leprosy was also a disease of the nervous system because the leprosy bacterium would attack your nerves. Its symptoms start in the skin and in the nervous system and then spreads to other parts of the body, such as the hands, the feet, the face, the earlobes. Patients with leprosy experience disfigurement of the skin and bones, twisting of the limbs and curling of the fingers to form the characteristic claw hand that was known to be with leprosy. Facial changes included thickening of the outer ear and collapsing of the nose. It's a pretty rough disease that could spread very easily. And in the Old Testament, there are a whole two chapters in the book of Leviticus, chapter 13 and 14, that are dedicated to laws about people who have leprosy and also to cleansing a person who has been a leper. Two whole chapters. And it says this in verses 45 and 46 in Leviticus. I'm going to read it to you. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside of the camp. This was taken to such an extreme that eventually there were these colonies that were created. Colonies for people with leprosy, where there only were lepers. And it came to a point in these colonies that if you even lived there, even once you became clean, if you were associated with that colony, no one would associate with you. Because leprosy was such a looked down upon disease in, the, in this society. Lepers were to be cast out. They were not to be associated with. Now look at verse 13 of chapter 5. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Now I want you to look how incredible it is that Jesus healed this man. Not only did Jesus heal the man, but he healed him immediately. This is a very difficult disease to heal, and Jesus simply made it happen in an instant. But something much crazier happens in these verses than just him healing the man. Look at the verse. Jesus touched him. Jesus touched the leper. He listened to his problems and he touched him. With the way Jesus treated this leper, he showed what it means to be a living sacrifice. He showed what it meant to be living for a purpose that was bigger than himself. Jesus could have kept walking and dismissed this man. He could have done that. 
He had that ability. But instead, Jesus stopped. And, and Jesus could have healed this man without ever getting close to him. He could have done that. In fact, that's probably what we would have said was the best option. You know what, Jesus? Just stay at a distance, but heal the man. But that's not what Jesus did. And I don't think that's what Jesus did because I think Jesus wanted to make a point to his people that being a living sacrifice involves thinking of life in general as bigger than just you. Too often we walk by people in our society who are hurting, people who are struggling. We walk past them and we never stop to ask them what's wrong. Too many times we walk in our houses and we don't even see the people in our own homes who are hurting and struggling because we are too worried about our own purpose. We're too worried about our own agenda. And I think in these verses, Jesus stops and he touches this man because he wants to show us that being a living sacrifice is radical. Being a living sacrifice is is not just something we do in word. It's something that we act. It's something that we are present for. To be a living sacrifice, we must be present. And you can't be a living sacrifice in, in your life if you don't have time for people who are less fortunate than you. You can't be a living sacrifice in your life if you can't even slow down enough to see the people who are hurting around you. You can't. To be a true living sacrifice, we as Christians have to have a radical presence in the lives of the people around us. A radical presence. They need to know that we are there. They need to know that we see them. They need to know that we are listening to them. I want to tell you about a lady named Mary Reed. Mary Reed was born in Ohio in 1858. The city of Kaunpur was the site of her ministry. But after eight years, she suffered a physical breakdown and returned home to recuperate. When she recovered, she returned and went to work in the Himalayas. On one journey, she came across a group of 500 people who were affected by leprosy. This is probably one of those colonies that I was talking about earlier, where people had to stay there and people were looked down upon because they lived there. Mary Reed came across one of these colonies and subsisting, they were living by themselves. Burdened for their helplessness, Mary was unable to forget about them. She couldn't do it. And after another year of intense ministry, she collapsed and was sent back to her American home. Doctors were perplexed by her illness. What caused the tingling pain in her forefingers, the spots on her face? Mary knew before she ever received a definitive diagnosis that she had contracted leprosy. Yet rather than being horrified, Mary thanked God for a disease that ordinarily would have aroused reactions of dread and self-pity. She saw it as God's gift, an answer to her prayers, that somehow she might be permitted to work among those 
similarly affected by the disease in the Himalayas. Only her doctors and a sister of hers knew the truth about her condition. When she returned yet again to India, she insisted that there be no sad farewell, though she realized she might not ever see her family again. Back in India, she went to a leprosy colony where no missionary had ever gone before. And she said this, I have been called by God to come and help you. She told the astonished sufferers. And there she remained. The difficulties were indeed enormous, yet gradually, in Chandag, which is where she was living in this colony, a hospital was built. And for 53 years, she lived and served at Chandag. She was awarded a gold medal for her service in 1917, and she died there in that colony in 1943. Now, I want you to look at Romans chapter 12 again. I want you to look back at Romans chapter 12. And I want us to jump down to verses 14 through 21, because in Romans 12, 14 through 21, it continues this chapter I feel like he's continuing to remind what it means to be a true Christian. Maybe that's what it, the title that it says in your Bible. But I think he's reminding us what it means to be a living sacrifice for God. Look at verses 14 through 21. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. But listen to this but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. May you be a living sacrifice. May you associate with those who are less fortunate than you are. May you slow down just a little bit in your life and see the people that are hurting. And not just see them, but listen to them and take a step into their world. Enter their world. Get on their level. And show them what it means to be radically present in their life like Jesus was with the leper. Show the people in your life what it means to be radically present as Jesus was. Just a couple of days ago, I was walking into a Dollar General. And there was a man there on on the curb. He was sitting down. And he asked to speak to me. And so I sat down on the curb beside him, really just because I thought I would sit down since he was sitting down. Didn't think much about it. 
And I sat beside this man, and he started talking to me about his trouble, and he had this huge smile on his face. And I had not done anything for him. I just sat down there, and he, I said, why are you smiling so much? Why are you so happy? And he said, man, people walk in this Dollar General every single day, and no one has ever sat on the curb beside me. Now, that shocked me. I'm not telling you that to brag on myself. Why I'm telling you that is because I'm guilty of being in a hurry. And usually I'd be just like everybody else and just run into Dollar General, get what I needed and run back out. And I don't realize often the impact that my presence can have on other people. Just to show someone that they matter, just to listen to them. But my fear is, that this happens with people that I really care about too. People that I pass every single day, people that I work with, people that I grew up with, that I also get in a hurry and run past them. And I don't want that to happen in our lives. My challenge to you is that you'll be the living sacrifice that Jesus was. That you'll think about what it means to be a sacrifice in your life. What it means to sacrifice yourself and live for a purpose that is bigger than your own agenda. That's bigger than your own opinion. That's bigger than the work that you do. An eternal purpose. Now maybe that means taking a step today and truly sacrificing yourself in the waters of baptism. And that it's time for you to say, God, I understand now, today is the first time I ever understood that your purpose is bigger than mine, and it's time for me to sacrifice myself and live the rest of my life for your purpose, not mine. And I'm going to become one with you in baptism. Maybe you became a baptized believer a long time ago, but you never understood what it means to be a living sacrifice. And you've just been going through the motions of your everyday life. And starting today, you're ready to be a living sacrifice. To realize that that God's purpose is bigger than yours. And that it's time for you to slow down a little bit. And enter other people's worlds. To show them that you care, that you love. And that God created them in the image of Him. And that they are just like you. And that you love them. Maybe today is the time that you're going to make that sacrifice and live the rest of your life as a living and holy sacrifice. Present yourself to God in that way. If you have a need this morning, come on forward as we stand and as we sing.